Well, hello and welcome to an All Saints Conversation. I am Connie Willems. I'm Brock Dingman. And our conversation today is something that we've been talking about quite a bit. So, Brock, I'm going to ask you, what's the topic for the day? Even though I said you were going to do it. <laughs> the kingdom of God. Before that, though, it's 2019. It is 2019. Can do you do something special for the beginning of a new year? Sleep. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, I think I have one little resolution, which I typically don't do, and I want to learn Spanish. So that's like a ah. goal for 2019 is to start listening to some Spanish, and I've got a friend who's going to help me. So do you do a resolution or a wish, a goal? I used to ignore them. Yeah. And then I became a life coach, mm. and I started recognizing that it's hard to go somewhere if you don't even have a picture mm. of where you want to go. So mm. I often do mild Things like say, okay, what's an emphasis that I want for this month? And right now, mine is ready. Ready. I'm going to show up ready. Ready. Yeah. Well, that'll work. Somehow that's connected to the kingdom <laughs> of God. We should Probably be ready. So. And people speak Spanish in the kingdom. So, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. So, we're going to talk about the kingdom of God. So, that is our topic. Yes. And one of the reasons is because at our Lord's Community Church, you just started a sermon series on it. But yes. we have also been asking God and just sensing that He has this as an emphasis and a focus. So, we thought we'd talk about some of the basics of the kingdom of God. Yeah. Because I don't know about you, I know that you were kind of exposed to Kingdom of God talk when you were pretty young, but when I first began hearing people really talk about it, it was probably a Bridgeway church. Hmm. I'm remembering probably back in the mid-90s. Mm -hmm. And I had never really been around people who talked about it much, and I had a hard time wrapping my mind around what we were talking about. What is the Kingdom of God? Yeah. yeah it's ambiguous and... It's misunderstood, and it's not defined properly sometimes. So, And yeah. I think sometimes we almost use it in a slogan-like way, as mm. if everybody knows what it means, and we just kind of use it more as a label than yeah. we really understand it. So I feel Slap like I'm... Slap it on to something. <laughs> oh, yeah, kingdom. Yeah. yeah. And then we think, what did I just say? Yeah. So let's talk about what it is a okay. little bit, and then what it is not. So I'm going to ask you, and I don't know if you have this in your back pocket, but do you have a basic definition if I said, define the kingdom of God for me? It is the dynamic rule and reign of God. That's what I would say the kingdom is. And that is inherently ambiguous. We need to flesh that out a little bit, which is what we're going to do over the next several minutes. But that's, it is the reign and rule of God. Now, you put the word dynamic in there. Yeah. Why? Because where the kingdom is, there's something powerful. So I'm using that word dynamic is from dunamis. It's when God shows up, when God manifests his rule and reign, something powerful happens. Now, it may not be detectable every time, but where God is, powerful things happen. And the ambiguity, I'm thinking, well, how is that different from, quote, ordinary Christian life? Or is that ordinary Christian life? Mean? Well, it sounds like there's the Christian life that I'm familiar with, and then there is the dynamic rule and reign of Christ. And I don't know how those two play together. Yeah. 
I'm going to be, I have to do this just because I'm citing the work of other people that's influenced me. So I think of George Ladd, who was a professor at Fuller Seminary, and he influenced John Wimber. And then there is a theologian named Derek Morphew, who's from South Africa, and there they've been influential. So I'm thinking of them, mm. and I'm using some of the definitions that they do. So I'm citing them, and we talked about even a putting some of their books attached to this so people that are interested could go and read that. Yes, because there's two books, especially a book called Breakthrough by... Derek Morphew. Derek Morphew, and then George Ladd wrote The Gospel of the Kingdom, which I finally just managed to make my way through, mm. and some lights turned on for me. Good. It's work, yeah. right? It's work. Ladd's work is a little bit old, but it's, it's fantastic. So I, I just have to acknowledge yeah. that that would be... A, swimming around in my mind anytime I talk about the kingdom. So you're talking about ordinary Christian life. The truth is, whether we're using kingdom language or not, God is king. Mm. And so God is king over the nations through Jesus. The Lord. Jesus is Lord. So whether we acknowledge that or not, it's still true and it's becoming a, a reality in certain ways. So that being said, other people, though, are going to pay attention to it and talk about it and look for it and search it out and, and pray about it. What do you mean by other people are going to? Who? Well, some, you've got some Christians that it wouldn't even be a part of their mm. parlance, their regular day-to-day -day language. They're doing discipleship. They're doing life with Jesus, and all, but they're not really thinking about or talking about the kingdom. That's what I mean. And okay. then others would. They would say, we are our whole community. All that we do, our discipleship is a di discipleship in the kingdom and these kinds of things. So, so it would be a central emphasis for yes. them. Yeah. This may be jumping the gun, but yeah. where would you say you are in that? Well, it's definitely my roots because of being influenced by the Vineyard Movement and John Wimber. It's part of who I am. It's part of my heritage. But in many ways, I feel like I'm rediscovering it and recovering it in some ways right now. So when you do that rediscovery and the recovering, mm -hmm. you mentioned the kingdom is ambiguous. Are you delving into that ambiguity? Is it reforming a base for you? That's a bit of an ambiguous question, I know. No, it's... Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to answer that. Okay. Frankly, ask ask me again. Well, you said as we were defining the kingdom that the rule and reign of Christ, the dynamic rule and reign of God as sovereign King, is rather ambiguous, mm -hmm. and yet it's dynamic, it's present, it's powerful, it's alive. You used to be there, and now you're rediscovering. So, are you rediscovering the? Oh, yeah, that's what it is. Like a reminder. Or are you rediscovering the experience of it? Mm, that's good. Well, I think I'm coming from a season of the books and theology and being in a classroom and all. So working it out theologically, but now being in the local church, let's see the kingdom. Let's see the theology of the kingdom play out in the lives of, of people. So I'm finding myself immersed in this in a way that I wasn't previously. Okay, so if we could look at those two things that you just 
inadvertently said or mm-hmm. advertently, yeah. um, the theology of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Could you add a little bit more to the definition, and then we're going to talk about how we see it play out. What is the theology that we're actually looking for? Theology of the kingdom is, first of all, we've got to acknowledge it's a thread that runs through the whole of Scripture. There are different themes or motifs that we could say run through the Scriptures and bind the Old Testament and New Testament together, but the kingdom of God is certainly one of the primary themes. Because of who God is. That's right. Who God is. God, Yahweh is the Lord. And then it's on the lips of Jesus. It was something of all the things he could have talked about. He could have talked about the covenant or he could, which he did at times, but he came in Mark 1 and said, the time was fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. And so these are the theological um, themes. And But at some point we move from the page and what's on in the scriptures to what's in our community, what's in our life, what what's being expressed, what's affecting the culture around us. So that's that's a theology of the kingdom and then a praxis or practice of the kingdom. So when Jesus said the kingdom is at hand, mm-hmm. that was 2,000 years ago yes. in this small little location of the earth and he didn't end up then ruling and reigning Mm -hmm. so is that part of the ambiguity yeah think about what he said he says that in mark 1 and then in matthew 13 he he gives these strange word pictures these parables of the kingdom and he says it's a mystery he said i want to talk to you about what the kingdom is and then he starts giving these strange word pictures about leaven that's Mm. worked into dough and a little mustard seed that's planted in the garden and it's undetectable and it ends up growing up and becoming this mighty tree that's bigger than anything else in the garden. So he's using these word pictures to try to express the mystery of the kingdom. It's a mystery. There's also something, I'm remembering the word picture of the pearl, the man who finds it Mm. in a field and he goes and sells everything before and to buy the field before somebody else can snatch it up so there's something that is so amazing that when we discover it we go after it hard that's right you catch a little glimpse of it and it ruins you it wrecks you yeah that leads us to what you call the praxis or the experience of it if i were to look around and say okay where does it play out where do we see it? Your first answer would be... <laughs> <laughs> Ask Brock? <laughs> right. um, well, my first answer is that I can't escape the fact that if there's a kingdom, there's a king. Mm-hmm. So there is something about the presence of the king that means the kingdom is at hand. So Jesus can say, the kingdom is at hand because, you know, Jesus is standing right there. Yes. The kingdom is at hand. It's not just a remote rule and reign separated somehow from the presence of the king. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's something very concrete yeah. and real. It's a person, right? And it's not this abstract... The Lord's Prayer doesn't say, the kingdom come, the general generic will of God be done. It says, your kingdom come. Mm-hmm. And so part of it for me is an experience of the king. Yeah. 
That's incredibly concrete. And I think about Luke 17, 21, one of my favorite verses about the kingdom. And it is also rather ambiguous. If you look at it in the Greek, the kingdom of God is in your midst, is what Jesus says. Commentators are looking at that and saying, now, is it because Jesus is in their midst, so he embodies the kingdom? If you want to know what the kingdom is, look at the person of Jesus. He embodies fleshes out what the kingdom is. So is he saying that or is he also, could he be saying, actually the kingdom is within you as well? I think it's probably a a little bit of both. The kingdom is here in my person, but it's also in your person. Well, it makes sense. I'm thinking if the kingdom is the dynamic rule and reign of God, Mm -hmm. and if I have given myself over to God's power and His rule and His reign, well then surely to that extent when a bunch of us like that gather together, the kingdom would be in our midst. The kingdom is there. See how if you pay attention to it and start searching the scriptures and seeing biblical definitions of it, you start praying into it, you start asking for it, I think things happen. I do want to say this because there is confusion. We didn't touch on this. The kingdom is not the church. The dynamic rule and reign of God is not equated with the church. So it's not, okay, you look at the church, you know, the Baptist church or the Presbyterian church. Ladd says that the church is the custodian of the kingdom. Meaning The kingdom creates the church. And the church serves the kingdom. And the church becomes the agent or emissary of the kingdom, but it is never to be equated with the kingdom of God. Why would it not be equated? What would happen if it were equated? Well, I think you end up with Christian imperialism and you end up with um, unchecked power. I mean, really, we, we serve the king and we serve his kingdom and the church points to the king and his kingdom. And so I think it's, it's a problem. If we start thinking that we are the kingdom, then we start thinking we are the kings and the queens. And so it's, it's, it's a subtle thing there, but it's, it's really, really important. Does that make sense? Yeah. Is there anything else that the kingdom isn't? Like if you would put in that category, it's not the church, it's not... I think that would be, it would be different aspects of that. So we could talk about the kingdom is not the church. The kingdom is not a political system or a political structure. And we were actually talking about this with John Calvin and his desire to see the church and society reformed. He sets up a theocracy, a, a state that's ruled by God. Which and, was really problematic. Yeah, it was problematic. It was well-intended. You know, he wanted to see people living under the rule and reign of God and according to scripture and all, but it didn't go well and it doesn't go well. So that it's not the church. It's not the state. It's something bigger that transcends all of those things and informs and shapes the church and can in various ways inform and shape and permeate the state. But We can't equate those with the kingdom of God. So if I were going to look at you and say, okay, point me at something that shows me a picture of, ah, there it is in action. There is the kingdom of God. 
the first thing that comes to mind, again, because of the life and teaching and ministry of Jesus, is where are the poor being cared for in the name of Jesus? So where are poor people being fed and given shelter? Where are orphans and widows being taken care of? That just fires off in my mind. And frankly, I don't think we see enough of that. But that would be a very pure expression of the rule and reign of God. Because where that happens, God loves the underdog and loves the marginalized. And this is very convicting as I even say it, because I want to be a part of that. And I'm not to the extent that I would want to be. That would be one example. When you talk about the poor and the marginalized being taken care of, it reminds me of Psalm 72, which is the description of a righteous king. And it says, He delivers the needy when they call, the poor and those who have no helper. He has pity on the weak and the needy and saves the lives of the needy. That's in the middle of this praise for his dominion and his power and his rule and reign. And then the concrete thing he does is deliver the needy and have compassion on the weak and the needy. Isn't that beautiful? And so you would see that maybe in moments of David's life or one of the the kings in his line, but ultimately in Jesus, the Messiah, the, the king. That is a beautiful passage. How about you? Where do you see the kingdom expressed, illustrated? I think it's that dynamic thing that you talked about, Mm -hmm. the reversal of the power of sin and death. Mm. So when peace and wholeness and wellness comes in, you know, it just popped into my mind. One of my former churches, we had sister churches in Rwanda, and we had a team of people that visited there, and they came back and they talked about being in a house and talking to people who had been on opposite sides of the conflict with the genocide. And you saw in the house the people who'd done the killing sitting next to the the woman whose husband was killed, and they were sitting together as Christian brothers and sisters, and there was forgiveness. Mm. That is the kingdom. Yeah, that's the kingdom. There is no way otherwise. Unexplainable peace and reconciliation. That's the kingdom. I thought of uh, where Paul says this in Romans 14, and he's talking about food and proper use of it in light of dedicating food to idols and things. But he says this, Romans 14, 17, for the kingdom of God is not food and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So those words, including peace, that's the kingdom of God. And that's a dynamic power that comes in that overturns what's dark and wrong and jagged and broken and brings wellness. You used this language a few minutes ago about um, our contemporary context right now is like knives. I feel like we live in a culture full of knives and it's, it's in our words, it's in our thoughts, it's this constant, all you have to do is open the media and every news story is full of knives mm-hmm. and jagged barbs and edges. There's a brittleness mm-hmm. in our world. Even among Christians, so you've got people lining up on the left and the right. Yeah. And, Democrat. and so the kingdom calls us out of that to transcend that and to be a part of God's 
wish, God's dream, God's vision, God's plan, and it's not knives. Can you it's, imagine a community characterized by righteousness, peace, and joy in a way that wasn't uh, pretty words on a plaque, but was a reality? Extraordinarily attractive, especially if it is accompanied by the dynamic action of God. The rule and reign of God operating. We would see peace. This is where it's at. If this is what Jesus, God in the flesh, if this is the theme that he talked about and demonstrated, he proclaimed it, he demonstrated it, then I think we should. It permeated who he was and what he did, and it should permeate who we are and what we do. So we've talked about a demonstration of it in the practical care for yeah. the weak, the needy, the poor, the marginalized. How else would we demonstrate it? Again, we can look at the Gospels, and it just Jesus is talking about it all the time, and he's, he's linking it. He'll say it about his own ministry, and then he'll turn around in Matthew 9 and other places and say, okay, my followers, my disciples, I'm sending you out to proclaim and announce the kingdom of God, and then heal the sick, and cast out demons, and do what I've been doing. And so I think that's another place that we look for the kingdom of God to be expressed is praying for sick people. And that might be physical sickness. It might be uh, something they're working with psychologically. It means praying for broken bodies. It means casting demons out of people, which in 2019 isn't a very popular Sounds a little subject. bit bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll rationalize it and try to say, well, Jesus was curing them of mental illness. And might be the case in some of them, but there were others where he drove evil spirits out of people. So that when the kingdom comes, evil shudders and shakes and God sets people free. I'm listening to that and I'm drawn to it. And I'm also thinking how odd it is that it might take more risk to pray for someone for healing or someone who's demonized than it would to take care of an orphan. Mm. Yeah, what do you explain? Well, you can start a soup kitchen or an orphanage and raise money and you just show up and you do it and it's risky. It's a different kind of risk than the, um, the apparent foolishness mm -hmm. of standing in front of someone who's not well and praying for healing. Yeah, yeah. When you, there's nothing you can do to make it happen. That's right. <laughs> You're exactly right. And maybe you do both. Maybe you have yeah. a soup kitchen and... People come in and you drive demons out of them and they get filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's both. But you're exactly right. This is part of what I'm working through personally right now is th that risk and wanting to take risks that I have in the past mm. and to pray for people and to give prophetic words and do things that we do when the kingdom is at hand. What do we miss if we don't do that? I think another verse comes to mind. Paul says that the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk or words, but power. Mm. So I think what we run the risk of is talking and teaching and pointing to the Bible and saying, wasn't that great what Jesus did and what the early church did and the book of Acts? It's kind of looking at museum pieces. And so I think we miss out on the dynamic rule and reign of God breaking in. And are, does it make people look foolish? Mm. Yeah, but that's part of the risk, isn't it? Yeah. I think we miss out on the king. 
what if the King, the presence of Christ, is among us and He is, through the Holy Spirit, standing there and saying, I want to do this, do it with me. And we've got it reversed, where we're doing our thing and we really don't make space. Or So how do we, how do, we do that? Mm-hmm. We have to stop. We have to interrupt our thing and ask God to do His thing. When? When do well, we do that? if we're going to listen to the Lord's Prayer every day, which your kingdom come, your will be done, is something we pray regularly. Throughout the day, wherever you yeah. are. You could be at school, you could be at a place of business, you could yeah. be on the sports fields, you could be in a church. Yeah, It's a matter of stopping and saying, what are you? What are you doing here? Another verse that comes to mind that John Wimber used to cite, and what I loved about Wimber was he was saying... We do love and appreciate what Jesus did, but it's a practical manual for what he wants his followers to do. And he would talk about John 5, 19. And Jesus says, I only do what I see the Father doing. And so Wimber would say, obviously Jesus was moving through the day and saying, what are you doing here, Father? And so that's what I hear you saying as we stop and say, Father, what are you doing? Who could I pray for? Who could I encourage? Where could I bring peace? It's turning our attention and saying, there's a king, which means there's the kingdom, which means there's kingdom activity, which means I can be part of it. And that just requires awareness. Here's what's sobering. As you're saying that, I'm sensing the Lord say the kingdom is within us. So there's even something, the king does show up and we invoke the presence of the Holy Spirit, but there's something about the kingdom is reality within the king's people. We carry the kingdom. And frankly, I just don't think that I really even come close to grasping that. The kingdom of God Mm -hmm. is within us. The king indwells us through the Holy Spirit and is ready to work and move. I'm hoping that I am as ready to have that happen. (laughs) (laughs) Hoping is the key word. Hoping is the operative word there. I wonder if we could close this part of the conversation. We'll have other conversations about the kingdom just by praying Mm. for the kingdom. Would you? You start us. (laughs) Well, the prayer that comes to mind is what Jesus taught us to pray. And I often don't pray it expecting the dynamic power of God to come through it. So I'm just going to pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. For yours is the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. And Lord, I ask for the people that are listening that you would awaken in them a hunger and thirst to know more about you and your kingdom. And I pray that the words of Paul would ring in their ears that the kingdom of God is not a matter of words and talk, but power, demonstration of power. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. There will be more talk of the kingdom to come. Yes. I have a feeling it's going to be hard to get away from this. We're going to reference some of those books that we talked about by these authors um, on our website at allsaints.center, and you can check them out there. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Thanks.